0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. But anyway, as you notice your title title of the message today, Barstow, California, one of the best places to live on planet Earth. Why is this one of the best places to live on planet Earth? Well, I know for me, because my father does not leave me on wild goose chases. My Father does not lead me to go down to destruction, but to live in a life of blessing. And if my God is going to move me 2,000 miles to a mission field called California, then God's going to cause California to be a good place for my family to live. Amen? But He needs me to cooperate. He needs you to cooperate. And so... You know, I, 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 I pray in the name of Jesus, none of you ever get sucked into this stuff about what a horrible, trashy town Barstow is. Well, why are you in Barstow? I just got stuck here. I didn't get stuck here. It cost me thousands of dollars to come here. It cost me leaving the place that I lived for 54 years, where my parents were from, my siblings are from, my aunts and my uncles, my grandmas and grandpas are buried in Indiana. So I didn't come here. Well, I don't know how I got here. I guess I'm just stuck. No, I'm not stuck. I'm on assignment. One of these days, I'll move to heaven. Before I move to heaven, this is where God has me in the will of God. How many of you ever think about, am I in the will of God, the perfect will of God? You know, I'm serious. I'm not, this is not a set-up question, not a joke. How many want to be in the perfect will of God? Well, Amen. Well, if God's got you in barstone, and it's the perfect will of God and, and, and you don't like things around you in Barstow, listen to what we're teaching and change Barstow. Amen. Change your place. If you don't like the place where you work at and it's a place where you prayed to be at and God's got you there, quit griping about it. Start praying about it. Speaking good about it. And man, When they go to knocking how bad the job is, knocking how bad all the stuff is in your job there, break those curses in Jesus' name. That's big blessings over the job. Amen. Then one thing I found out, there's ways God moves. He'll either move you. He'll move the troublemakers. He'll do something to change it. But he's got your words you got to work with. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. I think we need to turn something off up there. I'm the whistles. Okay. Proverbs 11.11, 11, our theme verse for the year in the Message Bible Let's read this out loud together. Proverbs eleven, 11. Let's say this together. When right-living people bless the city, it flourishes. Evil talk turns into a ghost town in no time. And I think about that, and I remember years ago, I was at a Brother Copeland minister's conference, and one of his speakers was a traveling minister, and he told and I remember he got there when he was preaching, he said this. He said, I can't believe the places God sends me. He said... Most of the towns I go to, as soon as the pastor meets me at the airport, the first thing they say is, oh boy, God sent you to a really bad place. Say, man. we got the biggest demons here. we got the meanest people here. There's so much crime here. Man, we got big demons here. He said, man, how come every city I go to, that's all I hear is how big the demons are and how big God is. And I think about this. The first ones that ought to get it should be the spiritual leaders, the pastors. The first ones that ought to recognize what's going on in spiritual warfare ought to be the pastors. At the blind lead, the blind, Jesus said, they both fall in the ditch. And so pastors from the Bible need to teach believers how to live, how to talk, how to change things. Amen? And so... And so it says that that it turns into a ghost town in no time when you talk evil about your city. And so I want to say it again, none of us are living here in this part of the world by chance. Some of you were born here, grew up here. Amen. You know, a lot of you were born here, grew up here. Some were transplanted here through the military career, the railroad or something, you know, through your ancestors. Something happened where you were changed here. And some of us were sent here. On assignment by the Lord Jesus Christ, the commander and chief of God's armies. Amen. God has sent a lot of pastors and spiritual leaders to this part of the world as commander and chief. And you know, I think about when when I I first came and started meeting some of the pastors, it surprised me how many transplants we had. There's pastors in Barstow from where I came from. I came from Indiana, which is called the Midwest. We have pastors in this town. We're sent here from Missouri Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. I know pastors from all over that part of the country. And pastors that are sold out to Jesus don't just try out things for career moves. They ask the chief. They ask the head of God's army, Lord, they do like I did. They say, Lord, I'm willing to go anywhere. I'm willing to be anything, do anything you want me to be. Just use me, Jesus. And so then God, I think about California now. I'm talking about our, our state, our great state. I'm talking about California. God would not uproot families from all over the world and send them into California if God wasn't concerned about California. Amen. And I want to say this. I don't care how big the demons are. They're no match for God. Amen. I don't care... How, 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 how bad the thinking is of liberal politicians, politicians that are anti-God, they're anti-Christian. They're no match for the Holy Ghost. But, but, for demons to operate, they need people to allow them to. For God to operate, He needs people to allow them to. And the only way people can cooperate with God is number one, get born again. He has to live on the inside. And that's no guarantee they're going to cooperate with God. Then they've got a Romans 12, 1, which says, Don't be conformed to the world. Don't think like the world, but renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You've got to have your mind renewed. That means you've got to have your mind trained with the Word of God to think in life the Word of God. Because when you think in life the Word of God, you pray in life the Word of God. And you pray in life the Word of God, God answers. And so we as Christians can't just be saved or can't just have saved politicians or leaders that think they're going to be able to cooperate with God because they don't get their minds renewed by the Bible, they're still going to make wrong decisions. They're still going to do things wrong. But I can tell you where it starts at, what we're going to be talking about today, what Pastor Dave's been talking about, that we as Christians have to get our our hearts, our souls, and our mouths, and our actions lined up with the Word of God. And when we do, I guarantee you, this city, this region will get better and better and better and better. Amen. 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 As anyway, Christians are called by Almighty God to control. That's your fill in the blank. To control the spiritual climate where they live. It has everything to do with having a right heart attitude towards God. Speaking in line with God's Word and living right in front of man and in front of God when nobody sees you but Jesus. You know, that's something that I've learned out of 40 years of Christian living. I'll be, I'll be 40 years old in, what's the day, 27th? 26. 26. In three days, I'll be 40 years old. Well, that's awesome, isn't it? The outward man perished, but the inward man renewed day by day. The inward man is going on 40. My life did not begin until January 29, 1980. My physical life began on July seventeenth, nineteen 1951. But when I got born again, my life, in God's book, started on that day. He says, if any man be a crisis, he's a new creature. Old things passed away, all things become new. Jesus said, you must be born again. And so I'm almost 40 years old in the Lord. And out of 40 years, 40 years of living for Jesus, one thing I've learned for sure... Is that people's words have everything to do with what goes on around them. Amen. And then also, I've learned this, that God will not back your words if you're not living right when nobody's looking. Amen. I'll, t- I'll tell you something that I refused to be a part of even when I was a new Christian. I-, I-, I saw, I saw the horror of what would come out of it. I've never left church when I was a believer. On Sunday, and had roast pastor for dinner. What's that mean? That means Christians that get together after church, they pick apart the pastor, the pastor's family, the church leadership, what goes on there, what they didn't like, what they didn't like, what they didn't like. Can't find anything that they do like. And that's the same kind of thing like a husband that's going all day long while his wife's home doing all the things she does to fix the house and cook dinner and all the things she does and he comes in and looks for one thing he didn't like and misses the hundred things she did. So instead of coming in and talking about how good a wife she is and what, she, what a good homemaker she is, what a good mom she is, comes in and says, I saw dust on that when I left yesterday. How come that dust is still out right there that one little spot? How come you missed that dust? How about the shiny house and the shiny floors and the washed windows and the washed laundry and all the stuff she did? How about the church that's full of goofy people how do we know a church is full of goofy people? Because I'm here and you're here. And God wants to change us to be less goofy. And so how how come, instead of come leaving the church after you come into the church, how come leaving the church, instead of talking about the 99 good things you saw, you go go home and talk about the one thing you didn't see or the one person that acted weird. Why are you going to do that? Why are you going to major on that? And so I'm talking about how God can back us when we do talk right. If I start living right. Amen. And so God wants us to control, to use our authority to change our region for the better. And two of my favorite sayings that Jesus gave me over the years that I say all the time because he spoke to my heart about spiritual things. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. If you're sick. And you deny that something's attacked your body, that's not going to get you healed. What's going to get you healed is when you begin to speak the Word of God and act on the Word of God and get healing working in your body, that'll change it. But if you go around saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, you're going to stay sick. That's not faith. Faith says, the devil has attacked my body. According to James 5, 14 and 15, when I call for the elders of the church... And they anoint me with all in the name of the Lord, and they pray the prayer of faith, the healing power of God's working in my body. You're changing what, what, what the attack was. You're, in other words, you're denied Satan the right to invade the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It does not say it's the household of sickness and disease, it says it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And so Satan has no right to trespass on your body. And so if he does, it's not a lack of faith to say, I was diagnosed with such and such, but you don't stop there. I was diagnosed with such and such. The doctors aren't treating me, but I've called for the elders of my church. They've prayed for me. They've anointed me with oil. And according to the Bible, the prayer of faith is healing me. And so that's not denial. That's... Acknowledging what is, and then using faith to change what is to what God says it's supposed to be. God says it's supposed to be healing. Amen. And so for our city, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. There's a lot of things in our city, if we wanted to make a list of things for our region, for our city, man, we could probably sit down until this time tomorrow and come up with a thousand things we don't like. Well, that gives us a thousand things. We can start speaking over to the change then. Hey, man, does anybody hear what I'm saying? We see something we don't like. I'll give you an example. Man, it hit me right in the face this morning. So real. When we come to church from Newberry Springs, we drive up Yermel Road all the way past Peggy Sue's, keep on coming north. We get on right here to Irwin Road. Cause I just, on Sunday mornings, or when I've come to service, I don't like to get on the 15. Cause that kind of just razzles me a little bit out there for all the stupid stuff going on. And so I like to protect the anointing. So we always take the side roads. Come up this morning. And we're riding along, and I've trained myself for my eyes to look at this one billboard. It's got some nasty looking woman up there. Says something about a gentleman's club on it. And I don't know what else it says, because ever since I've been coming that way, I've got I've learned to put blinders on. As we were coming this morning, we're talking. I saw that nasty woman grinning at me up there. I saw the words gentleman's club. I saw something on it. I thought, wait a minute. What am I teaching on? I said, that has no right to be here. This is my territory. I said, we do not want that stuff in Barstow. We don't want the men of this city to be influenced by that, that nasty billboard. I pointed my finger at it and I said, I curse you in Jesus' name. I said, you're coming down in the name of Jesus. The people put you up there is they going to take you down or they're going broke so they can't afford to keep you up there. And then I said, angels, go forth and do something. Get that nasty pitcher out of our territory And I expect, before many days hits, to that billboard going. Amen. 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 You see what I'm saying? There's things that we see. We've got authority in the name of Jesus to change things. Amen. I had the blinders on, but why keep their blinders on? Think of all the thousands of men on the 15 that are seeing that every day and then going home and not being a good husband to their wives because they got sexual fantasies they shouldn't have. Oh, glory to God. I want to say it again. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. See, I'm giving you a living example how to change your city. Man, you see things going on in this city here. You're going to have to start pointing your finger at it and some, picking some blessings over them. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. The spiritual, Know one of the sayings God gave me years ago that I like to use. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. Good or bad, what goes on the spirit Changes the world we live in. God is a spirit. We are spiritual sons and daughters of God, created in His image. We live and function, and you know this is this is some things that may be kind of hard for you to catch on at first. But when you're around it, when you're around God for a while, you read the Bible, you pray, and you know the Holy Spirit, and you stay close to Him. You start seeing this. We live and function in two realms. We live in parallel parallel worlds: the spiritual and the physical. We must learn to use our God-given authority in the realm of the Spirit if you want to change the natural world around us to have God's best. What's that again? We've got to learn how to navigate through the realm of the Spirit if you want to change the physical world. You know, I I think that in the United States of America, I don't know how many many of you watch our country The older I get, the closer I watch what goes on our country. I see billions of dollars spent trying to change our society. But when you got demon spirits, they don't care about money. They don't care about programs. They don't care about all this kind of stuff people do. They don't care about 10,000 likes on Facebook. They don't care about writing letters to Congress and all that kind of stuff. All they care about is when you say, Satan, in the name of Jesus. I bind you. I bind that spirit of abortion in my state. I bind that spirit of thievery in my state. I bind those lying spirits in Jesus' name. Lord, I want to thank you. You told me what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. What I loose on earth is loose in heaven. You're a spirit being. Those words come out of your spirit into the spiritual realm change the world around you. You know, I remember years ago, my truck driver job, but I was a baby Christian, just learned how authority works. Sitting in the break room, that little bitty old break room, had a truck driver walked in there, and I was a teamster, and they really followed the rules close back then. This is back when we had teamsters, thugs that come in and beat up bosses and stuff, so the bosses stayed pretty big towards the truck drivers and dock workers, because back then, teamsters was different. That's when Jimmy Hoffa was still alive, and et cetera, et cetera. So it was a different teamsters back then they got now, if that means anything to anybody. But anyway, we could we, we got a 10-minute break, no exceptions. So we come in there, we got a 30-minute lunch, no exception, came in. You had 10 minutes, you was back out. You had 30 minutes, you was back out. And so I was a, I was a Christian in this break room, had a little bitty Bible I carried in my pocket. And so for 10 minutes, I got to come in there, but I grabbed a quick Coke or something. I sat there reading my Bible like that. And so it was hot summertime, had their conditioner cranked up there in Indiana. I mean, it, it, it was hot outside, and we had it cranked up really cool in the break room. And so I'm sitting there, and everybody just doing their regular talking, carrying on like people doing break time. Read my Bible. This guy walks in, and man, he wasn't even one of our guys. He's another truck driver another place come there. And he was loud, cussing. Every other word was a blanky, blank word that we don't like to say, but we'll never say it as Christians. Carried on like that. And I'm sitting there trying to read my Bible, and I said, Jesus. He said, that's the spirit of blasphemy. Take authority over it. And so I just had my head down like that. And I just said, you spirit of blasphemy, get out of here in Jesus' name. You don't belong here. And man, this guy, this big old fat truck driver, goes, ooh, ooh, it's hot in here. He started choking up and he ran out the door. And all these other truck drivers, sinners, sitting around, they said, hot. It's freezing in here. What's the matter with him? And then one of the other people there was a, a Christian. too. He looked over at me and said, I know what you did. I changed the atmosphere there by taking authority over a demon spirit. And so, see, here's what I'm telling you. If God calls Christians to walk a picket line somewhere and carry signs, that's okay. That's an outward thing. But the main thing that's going to change things is the spiritual realm, what we do in the realm of the spirit. We as Christians have got to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. How you know the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit told men what to write, and they were printed on the pages of the Bible. And so actually, when we read the Bible, we can say the Holy Spirit said, because the Holy Spirit spoke through the men. And so the Spirit and the Word always agree. So if you want a word from God, read the Bible. And when you read the Bible and God says, when God says evil men speaking bad words hurt the city, it says, right-living men, right-living women that speak the blessed of God over the city, change the city. And so we have to know, as believers, we are called from God to change where we live at. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. God is a spirit. Genesis chapter 1 says, when God looked out at earth, it was dark. And it says, the spirit of God hoovered over the waters. And then God said... Oh, it's dark down there. It's so dark. I don't want to go down there. It's dark. God didn't want dark. So God said light. God spoke light because he didn't want dark anymore. He wanted light. We've got to speak light to the darkness around us. Why is that? We're created God's image. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew, it says created God's image. In the Hebrew, it says man's created a speaking spirit. We are speaking spirits temporarily housed in an earth suit. Amen. And so anyway, we're called to change our world, world around by the words that we speak. We have authority. Go to Genesis chapter 11. I want to show you some things here. Just a couple couple simple spiritual laws that tell us why we're to do what we're doing as a church family in this region. Genesis chapter 11. This is right after the flood in Noah's day. 11, verse 1 and verse 6. Genesis 11, verse 1 and verse 6. This is about the Tower of Babel, but I'm not going to that whole lesson. I just want you to see the spiritual law here. And by the way, Genesis is called the Book of Beginnings. It sets the tone for the whole rest of the Bible. Spiritual laws, all spiritual laws, originate in the Book of Genesis. And there's, there's, one, there's one law of Bible interpretation Called the law of first mention. When something's first mentioned in the book of Genesis. That's the spiritual law that that becomes how you interpret the Bible through the whole rest of the Bible by that spiritual law, the law of first mention. And so, just as chapter one, verse uh, chapter eleven, verse one says that the whole earth, this is after the flood, was of one language and of one speech, one language at one speech. And then you get down to verse six says. And the Lord said, "Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language." Well, see, that's what God's working on us to do as a church family. And Jesus able to spread to other churches in Barstow. He wants us to have one speech. He wants us to speak in line with the Word of God over Barstow. One language, the Word of God, over Barstow. One language, He says, and one speech. And then He said, "This they begin to do: the people speaking as one." And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. I can imagine Barstow blessed in every area. I can imagine Barstow cleaned up from homelessness. I can imagine Barstow cleaned up from drugs. I can imagine Barstow be at a place where major corporations would have put new businesses and have prosperity in Barstow like never before. I can imagine Barstow being a shining example to all of California and this part of the country where people talk about Barstow. We don't just make the national news because of an earthquake. I sit in my living room the other night. I guess everybody knew about the earthquake, right? We're sitting in there. We're 15 years old in Barstow now, so we kinda get used to the routine. We know the program now. The first few times it was kinda scary, but sitting in the living room there, and all of a sudden heard some kind of noise, and then you know, we start to get the little massage job. And we're sitting there and we just kinda look around, everything's okay. And a couple minutes later I get a text from Doctor Barclay, my pastor. He says, Hey Bernie, how's things out there in Barstow, you okay? And I thought was it okay then? I realized that. I said, yeah, we're okay. He said, well, I saw you had an earthquake. I wanted to make sure. I said, we're praying for you, man. He said, we're sending our love and prayers. I said, well, thanks, Doc. I appreciate that. No, we're good. That, But I'd just say we're kind of getting used to that. But we made the national news because Barstow, California had an earthquake. I think we ought to make the national news because Barstow, California solved the homeless problem. I think we ought to make the national news because Barstow is a city with the lowest crime rate in the whole country. Barstow is the city where there used to be druggies and things going on, where now there's new churches being built. And the believers are coming together to fellowship, and God's moving in Barstow. That's what I think. See, it says all these people here, God said, and this is on the negative side, because these people were in the flesh trying to think they could outdo God. And God said nothing because they're one speech. They're one language. He says nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And so I think I think if drug dealers and gangsters can come up with imaginations how to hurt people and how to sell more drugs that hurt people things like that, Christians ought to be able to use their imagination to begin speaking things of the blessings of God over the city. You know, I know years ago at a Brother Copeland's minister's conference, he said something one time that really changed my life. He said, pastors, what what he was teaching on how to believe God for money, to do what God wants you to do if your church is things. He said, pastors, I want you to do something. He said, close your eyes and imagine what you could do with your church if money were no object. Man, I closed my eyes. I saw us doing remodeling things at our church in Indiana. I jumped on that and we got some things done. Because I used my imagination that if I wasn't limited by money. How many... Know that most things you do in life, there's things you want to do. But then you think about the cost. You say, well, we'd like to do that, but. Well, if you seek God and ask God what you'd, he'd like you to do, then you take the butt out. Say, amen, Jesus. We're going to believe you for that. We'll do that, Lord. We're going to do that. I think as a church, we need to more and more be listening to the Holy Spirit about things that are speaking into existence in this city. We need, to be, we need to be speaking and praying over who we want on the city council, what kind of people. I'm not talking about individual names. What kind of men, what kind of women do we want to lead our city? What kind of men, what kind of women do we want leading as, a, as a county commissioners? And things like that. Then if we begin to speak and pray over who we want leading our city, the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. You get Christians, especially Holy Ghost Christians that love the Bible, in positions of authority, that they begin to make laws and vote in ordinances and things that please God because they're listening to God. I want somebody leading me that's going to pray and ask God, what's the best way to prosper Barstow? What's the best way for this county to be all God wants? Well, want, that's the kind of people want. But see, that all starts with us. Instead of griping and complaining all the time about who's in there, they start doing some speaking and telling the devil who he's not going to get to put in there. Amen. That's what it says. Nothing shall be impossible, which they've imagined to do, because they're one speech. Isn't that what we're doing is make a good faith confession over our city? Every service? We're one speech. Just think, in the spiritual realm, every time we're speaking those words of faith. You know the financial faith confession God had me write out years ago? We've got so many testimonies of people seeing those things come to pass in their life. Just think, if this church right here can get into agreement what we're speaking, that that's going to start spreading to other churches, they don't even have to know we're doing it. Because we're doing what we're doing, other pastors and believers are going to pick up in the spirit that something's changing, and God's going to lead them to jump in too. Amen, amen. So anyway, uh, two spiritual laws here that's in effect. Is this the law of confession? Or a lot of times the King James renders it, profession. The law of confession that word "profession," that's in the King James in many places, comes from the word "homologia." Homologia, and the word "homologia," translated "profession" and "confession" of the Bible, is real simple. It means to say the same as, to say the same as. God wants us to say what He says about our life. As Pastor Dave pointed out the last three weeks, that this we're doing this on a corporate level. But this applies to us individually in our lives. Because as we begin to get in life the Word of God, our health changes. Our finances change. Our families change. Our jobs get better. Things change. God wants us, instead of saying, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. Well, you know, the flu's going around. We always get it. Ten days, i watch the clock tick. I'm on number eight. I got two more days of sick. Two more days, they say. That's what they say. Well, the experts say... What's God say? God says lay hands the sick they shall recover. By his stripes you're healed. That's homologia. I say by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes has been laid on me. I'm recovering. That's homologia. That's confession. That's saying the same as God. I'll tell you something I say all the time. Financial things I see. I holler tithers rights. I say the same as God. I say the devours rebuked. I say the windows have heaven are open on my family. That's what I say. I don't say, well, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I got delivered for luck, from luck, on January 29th, 1980. On January 29th, 1980, I crossed from the luck side to the blessing side. Amen. And if bad luck tries to hit me, it's not luck, it's the devil trying to attack me. I say, no, devil, I resist you. I submit to God in the name of Jesus. I bind you, devil. Get out of here. You're not throwing that stuff on me. I'm not in your kingdom anymore. I'm in God's kingdom. Amen? And so, these people said the same as. And so, they were on the wrong side. But this is the law of confession. It carries all through the Bible. Look at Proverbs 18, 21. And this has been quoted around here enough the last several months that everybody here, should be able to, I I probably shouldn't have to turn to it. I bet you all of you know it already. Proverbs 18.21 is one of the first verses God led me to when I got saved. Even before I was around a Word of Faith church, God taught me Proverbs 18.21. This is a spiritual law. This is the law of confession. This is the law of what God used in Genesis chapter 1. God said, he confessed out of his mouth. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, Let the waters cover the earth, and the waters cover the earth. God said, Let the oceans be filled with fish, and fish were in the oceans. God said, Let there be trees, and then he said, The life's in the seed, every seed produce kind.'" God said, That's the law of confession. What do you said? That's what you're going to have. So Proverbs eighteen twenty one says this Death and life are the power of the tongue. That word power there means authority. There's authority in your words. Power means authority. You have power because you have authority. Because you have authority, you have power. And that means through your words, you have the God-given ability to change things. To change things. Death and life. If you don't like sickness, quit talking sickness. If the flu knocks on your door, Quit saying that stupid stuff. I'm not preaching to my family. has got all these kids. But just because your kids go to school doesn't mean they have to bring sick home. I want to say that again. Just because your kids are out in public don't mean they have to bring sick to your house. Man, you see that stuff tried to come out. I'm not preaching to my family. I've drawn to my family. I've got a lot of kids. I've had too much sick hitting my house. hit my families. And your families too. Death and the life of the power of your tongue. If you don't like it, change it. Start speaking life. When you lay hands on them, keep on giving them the mess, whatever you got to do, but you just say in the name of Jesus, this is the last time this is coming to my house. This is the last time it's coming to my house. We're not carriers of sickness and disease. We're carriers of divine healing and health. We're carriers of the gospel. That's what we've got. And when our kids go to school, they're inoculated by Psalms 91. Amen. No sickness, disease comes nigh our dwelling. They're inoculated in Jesus' name. Death and life are the power of the tongue. That's the law of confession. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And so this spiritual law started in the book of Genesis. And look at Mark eleven twenty three 23 in the New Testament. These are some of our favorite verses as believers. But We've got to recognize... It's spiritual law. Works on the negative, works on the positive. Mark 11, 23, <clears throat> Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say. I circled the whosoever, and I wrote this means me. And I'll tell you why I wrote this means me. I don't see so many Religious people in California, like we had back in Indiana, because that used to be called the Bible Belt out there. Tennessee, Indiana, that part of the country was called the Bible Belt, the middle of the country. Both the coast were more anti-God than the center of the country. Called the Bible Belt. And so we had a lot more churches there. And we had good churches. And we had religious churches. And a lot of religious people like to keep the Bible in the past tense or the future tense. That's why Hebrews 38, I believe, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. says Jesus is going to be the same past, present, and future. And so a lot of religious people out there would say things like this. Well, actually, Jesus was talking to the apostles and the disciples. That was just for them. I've heard that from so many religious people back there where, you know, that's not for us. That was for them. Or, you know, In the future now, when we get to heaven, we'll have it there. Jesus said, whosoever. If he just meant somebody in the future, he would have said, when you get to heaven, or if he would have just meant the apostles right there, we'd say, okay, now listen, guys. As long as you guys are living, this will work for you 12 I got with me right here. This will work for you. But Jesus wanted to make sure we got it, so he said, whosoever. So my Bible, in my Bible... So every time I read this verse, i got it written in big letters of my Bible. This means me because I'm whosoever. i got it right there so I know that Jesus was speaking to my heart to tell me what I have in my mouth. Whosoever shall say, and I circled the say. This is the law of confession here. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, that means your obstacle. It might be a sick mountain. It might be a serious disease like cancer. Heart disease. It might be something financially like you're facing bankrupt, about to lose your car, about to lose your job. A mountain come crashing down. You might be a wayward child that you seize on a wrong road with the wrong people. And your child's about to really, really, really get hit hard if something doesn't change. In other words, something that looks impossible to you to handle by yourself. Jesus says, this is the first thing you do to it. Whosoever shall say unto me this mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. There's a difference between your heart and your head. Faith will always work from your heart, even if your head's been blasted with doubt. Amen. You just don't speak the thoughts, you speak from the heart what you know to be true. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, I circle the saying again. Shall believe those things which he saith, not those things which hitteth his mindeth, but those things which he saith. All of our minds are hit with doubt. All of our minds are hit with what if, what if, what if. We said those things which we say, not those things which hits our heads, those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So he did three times more talking about the saying part than he did the believing part. He only talked about believing one time. But three times Jesus emphasized That we are going to have what we say. Death and life is the power of your tongue. The blessing or the cursing over our region will depend upon what the believers have to say about the region. Our faith has anointing behind it. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying the power of God. And so, sinners' words just have demons behind them. Our words have faith behind them. Our words spoken in the name of Jesus annihilates the power of the enemy every time. And so we begin to talk right. Another law, the law of agreement in the book of Deuteronomy, talks about the fact that one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. And so as we get in more agreement, there's more power. Power comes out of one church full of people like this that all the thousands of people around Barstow could ever think about. We've got authority in our words. We've got power at our words. And so Jesus says, "We'll have what we say. That's, that's the law of confession. And so positive or negative, our words change things. Now, I want you to look at another spiritual law here. The law of unity. The law of unity. All those people were speaking one thing together. They were in harmony. They were in unity. They were in agreement. And the law of unity also works for good or evil. The law of unity works for good or evil. These people were working against God's plan and God's will, so you had to step in and stop them. And so I want to look at Psalms 133. Psalms 133. And that's why it's so important, so important for us as believers to number one, number one, we've got to know what the Word of God says. When people come into my prayer line, me to pray for them for healing, when they come up here and they tell me, Pastor, I've got this, 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 and this, then I never say this out of arrogance or out of meanness. I say, well, what is it that you want me to pray for? You've told me the problem. What do you want? Well, see, Jesus, when people come to him, blind Bartimaeus come to Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He said, Lord, I want my sight back. It is important to hear what he wanted. He may have wanted to see an eye dog. Well, if I'm praying for healing, and you're wanting to see an eye dog, we're not in agreement. If you come up there, and you got a serious injury or thing about you, and you're getting the government uh, help for being sick or injured like that, and you're facing, well, wow, if I receive my healing... I'm going to lose that $3,000 a month disability if I get healed. Well, if I pray for your healing and you're totally against it, all you want is to get your check quicker. We're not in agreement. That's why I want to be in unity with you. If you come up here, I want to know what you want. If all you want to do is get a better deal on your pills, I can agree with that. But if you want heals, so you don't have to take the pills. I can agree with that. Believers in a church need to be in unity with the Word of God. With the plan of God. For their family. For their city. Unity. These people built the Tower of Babel. They were in unity. And so God said, nothing's impossible to them. Said they're talking the same. And they're in agreement. Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3. Psalms 133. Verses one through, 1 through 3. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And in Matthew chapter, just write this down. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Matthew 12, 25. Write this verse down. It's really important. Division is Satan's way. It's the opposite of unity. Division is the exact opposite of of unity. unity is God's way, division is Satan's way. In Matthew twelve twenty-five, Jesus said, Any city, any nation, any home that's divided against itself cannot stand. A city? Think about divorce, divorce. They're divided. They can't stand. They're not in unity anymore. They're out of harmony. It's no longer wedded bliss. It's wedded strife. So they divide. And so division is Satan's way. Unity is God's way. I'm going to look at these verses here and just show you some things in this. But think about this. I was thinking about this this morning because I knew I was going to preach. What's our nation called? The what? United? You know why we're the United States? We were in unity when this state started. If you've been watching the news since, the, since really the the uh, Bush-Gore election, back then, I hate what the devil got to accomplish through the media that Christians fell for even. Started calling this the divided states of America. Remember that where sort I of the divided states of America? That was inspired by hell. Now they call it a blue state or a red state. Well, our founders called us the United States. That's why united, That's why America started off so great, is because we were united. And back when we were united, the pilgrims came over here for freedom of religion. The founders came over here to get free from a lot of things in England, etc., cetera, et cetera. But one of those things was freedom to worship how we wanted to worship in America, do what we wanted to do, and it was primarily Christianity. They were in unity with God. They were in unity with the Bible so they had 13 colonies. They called us the United States of America. On our Bible, I mean, on our money, it says United States of Treasury, United States. We were united. We had one purpose, one mind. We were together in America as United States. And don't ever agree with that divided states of America. If you do, quit doing it. And when you hear the people that are trying to destroy our country so much say the divided states, oh, no, no, I break that curse. We're the United States again. We're back united with Jesus. We're united with God. We're united with the Bible. Christians are united in America. It's no more of this divided and conquer. It's united we win. Amen. 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 And so God said, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, not division. And then he says, here's what unity is like. It's like the precious Ointment upon the head, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And so that's taught. That's symbolic. Now listen, that's symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, when they anointed the the, the kings, the priests, the ones like that, they poured oil on them, and that was symbolic on the outside of what God did in the spiritual realm. On the inside, to pour an anointing on them. And God said, now listen, this is so important to get this today. God said, when Christians get along in unity, it brings anointing. That's why when we have a service like we're having tonight, that's why when you get in a Christian church, where they're not fighting each other's position they're not jockeying. You got somebody been there 30 years, like some of the people have here. You got somebody come in last year. Had somebody come in in last year, growing, God's called them to something. And then the person been here thirty years, like Robert. Some of these guys been around a long time, or Dennis and Janelle. Lots of people we have the church been here a long time. I say I want to train them how to do this. I want to show them what I've got to do. Said, "Hey, pastor, that guy's tried to that tries to try to cut into my territory. I don't have any territory. You don't either. We got a church, and in our church we're praying for God to send people that want to work. We're praying for God to send people want to do things." Because the more people we got help do things, the more people God can send to us because somebody's going to do it and help them. And so we get a church where people get along and we don't have a seniority order. And I'm a retired teamster, but we're not the teamster's union here. And you get the union and the teamsters. They were in unity back then for getting benefits on the jobs. And so at our church, when the believers are not jealous. When the believers don't fight each other about this or that, then you have unity. And then God says, when you have unity, you have anointing. And you have anointing, Isaiah ten twenty seven. 27, that's another verse to write down. Isaiah ten twenty seven says that the anointing is the remo- burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. When you have anointing, druggies do get delivered. When you have anointing, alcoholics get delivered. When you have anointing, that pornographic spirit on men gets delivered. When you have anointing, the god robbed tithing tithed spirit that robs the tithe gets delivered and people want to start giving to God. When the anointing is there, Dr. Barclay says the anointing is the presence of Jesus. And so when you have anointing, then God's able to move a whole lot stronger. And it says unity brings the anointing. We're talking about the city now. As we are unified, there's going to be more anointing in the city. There's more anointing in the city. These homeless people have these different ones, instead of just what to act religious to you, they want money or something like that, and you quote over scripture, oh yes, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, give this to me so as soon as you turn your head, I get right down there and get what I really want to get, so I get high again. They're going to say, well, I'm like the madman of Gadara, the book of Acts. I'm clothed in my right mind now. What can I do to follow Jesus? Amen. And so so unity brings the anointing. And then it says in verse 3, and this anointing is as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. It says, for there, that place of unity, there, the Lord commanded the blessing. Is that what we're talking about? Blessing? over the city of Barstow. Are we making a faith confession every service about the blessing over Barstow? God says when the believers are in unity. The entire Babel they were in unity on the wrong side. God didn't bless that. He stopped it. But it says right here, God commands the blessing where there's unity. It says like the dew upon the mountains. And you know, I don't see very much dew out here in California. In the Midwest, there's dew all the time. In the Midwest, dew is somehow or another, there's water on the grass in the morning. We got lots of grass out there. You know, I say water on the dirt out here, but maybe that's why we don't have dew. You get water on the dew, you're going to have muddy feet. But anyway, back in Indiana, you come outside, Even if it hadn't rained, you have to turn your windshield wipers in the morning time. A lot of times, everything's wet on your car, you have to turn the windshield wipers on. You have to wipe stuff off because it's wet, there's dew. Well, that's what God said right here, that that Mount Hermon, he said to the Israelites, said this is like Mount Hermon said it's just as wet in the morning time as if it rained last night. It didn't rain, but it stays wet. He said right here, the anointing stays when you stay in unity. The anointing stays when you stay in unity. And we're talking about a church where we're talking about a city. God wants the anointing of God to stay in this church all the time. God wants the anointing of God to stay in the city all the time. God wants this city to come in line with the words speaking over the city. We call it blessed. We call it prospered. Amen. City of God. etc., etc. All those good things. And so when believers live in unity of lifestyle, speech, and God's plan, God blesses them with this precious anointing. This should be every born-again Christian's goal to change their assigned region for the glory of God. That should be the goal of every believer wherever they go. Unity is one of the main themes of the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. How many here have ever really read the book of Acts and studied it some type of your Christian life? And sit under teaching on the book of Acts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, people say, Well, wow, I wish we had the book of Acts today. I've already told you we're living in the book of Acts, it's still being written, it didn't stop yet. They're still believers. We're still on earth, we still have the Holy Ghost. So we're still acting out things for God to get things done. And I want you to see this, the book of Acts. This is one of the main themes of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continuing with one accord. One accord. And that word accord in my center column, the Greek says, one purpose or mine. It says all these believers continue in one accord in that upper room praying. And they were praying for the promise Jesus had wait for the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. They had one purpose. They sought God because Jesus, raised from the dead, Jesus just taught them for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus went to heaven and said, you guys go wait. And so they went one purpose, one accord, to seek God in prayer. They go to chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. And I circled the one accord. All these places I see, I circled that. Because that's a Bible theme. That's the main thing God wants us to see. They continue with one accord. We don't have to go to church. We'll just spread out and just meet wherever we want to. It all says in one place. Get this. They weren't scattered around. Well, I can be just as saved as you are and I never have to go to church. Well, you can be saved just to call upon the name of the Lord, but you don't have any power. You never get much results. We get together in one accord in one place. The power gets turned up, and when you're in a place for the power of God, guess what? Some of us bound to get on you. Some of us bound to deliver you. These people were one accord in one place on the day of Pentecost. And of course, as you read chapter two, that's when the Holy Ghost was poured out. They all begin to speak with tongues, and that's beginning of a major that beginning of a major move of God that continues to this day. It's still going on because these people obeyed spiritual laws. They were in unity for God. Look at chapter four. Verse 6. I just want you to see how key this unity is. Or to, I mean, verse 46 of this same chapter. Verse 46. says, And they continued daily with one accord in the temple. These people were hooked up together at church. One accord, one purpose, one mind. They loved Jesus they sought Jesus. They wanted to know the plan of God, the purpose of God, the will of God. They sought Him together. Well, you know, uh, I like to just watch on TV now. we got such good TV preaching. Well, that TV preach is good for people that can't come to church for some reason or another. But when you're a believer, you need to be in your church every time you can under the teaching of the Word of God from your spiritual leaders. And then you can be able to be there to bring your tithe in Amen. That's important. Bring your time to God's holy altar. And then if you have problems, somebody's going to help you. But you come if your antenna up and somebody else in church may have problems, you can help them. That's one thing that I think a lot of believers don't catch on to. You come to church, it's not all about you. Sometimes you come to church, you are whooped up and you need help. But a lot of times you come into church, you see somebody else doesn't look quite right. You go over there and shake their head and hug them. Say something good to them. Amen. We're for each other. So anyway, they have one accord in the temple. Now look at chapter 4, verse 24. And they were being persecuted. And this says that they, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They prayed together with one accord. They were in unity. Look at verse 32 and <clears throat> verse 33. And this is the church. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. One heart, one soul. And verse 33 says, because they were in unity, one heart, one soul, with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So I think you see what's going on here. God puts his blessing, his power is highly increased, when believers are in harmony, in unity, meet together regularly. And I'm going to close with chapter 17, verse 6, because this is the end result of what we want in our city. Chapter 17, verse 6. And once again, the believers <clears throat> working together, we're changing the city. I want you to look at the last part of this Verse. The last part of chapter 17, verse 6. The people of the city didn't like what they saw happening on the political side. But they were saying this. These that have turned the world upside down are come here also. It says these turned the world upside down. They're here also. And so I like to say it this way. The devil's already got the world upside down. We're turning it right side up. Everything. Everything pretty much is a political realm and the realm of what we see has been turned around by Satan to be opposite of God. And said so these people here, these believers, turned the world upside down. Now they're changing our city too. Why do you think they pass so many anti-God laws in America as we let the devil in? Can't pray in school. Can't have the Bible in school. You can't pray in public. You can't do this. You can't do that. Because the devil who's controlling people, they're making decisions. The devil is threatened by Christians that get in unity. Because when Christians start praying in public, when the Bible starts being taught in schools again, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, all those were divinity schools when they started. When things start turning around because Christians like us start speaking right and living right, guess what? They're going to say, Wow! They've come to this city, too, and because we're doing this right, they're going to say, we're glad, too, because it changed our city. Amen. That's what we're looking at. And so, if we will follow Jesus together and speak God's blessings over our region, Barstrow and surrounding area will be one of the best places to live on planet Earth. Let's make our faith confession. Then we'll do all the clapping. Let's make our faith confession, then we'll stand up. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Now stand up and clap.